Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. 2 Timothy 3. And I want to minister tonight on this that I've been on for a number of weeks, continuing in the truth. And uh, uh, there are some things that the Lord would have us to say that are so important. And uh, if, you, if you remember back when, uh, when the whole situation, in, that's right, amen. No, don't shush her, she's fine. Amen. Back, back when, this, when this whole issue began uh, that the world's dealing with, you know, I, I began to uh, immediately, we attacked fear in people's lives. And God, I believe like the Lord directed us to do that. I sound like a valley girl for a minute. I mean, I believe like the Lord told me. <laughs> really, I just like, I believe, you know. Amen. But uh, I believe the Lord told me to do that. And I, I know that he did. But then at a certain point, the Lord said, and I ministered it here in April the Lord said, faith looks beyond. Faith looks beyond. And uh, he began to deal with me about some things in this series. And 2 Timothy 3 is where we'll begin. This has been our foundational verse. Are you believing with me tonight? Uh, because it's, it's important that you're believing that we hear, but it needs to be said right. All right? The things that God wants to say, they need to be said correctly. And 2 Timothy 3, verse uh, 13, notice what Paul says he, to Timothy, but evil men and seducers will wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Evil men and seducers will go from bad to worse. And that's what it means. And it says they will deceive and be deceived. They'll lead people astray and they'll be led astray. Is that what it says? But then he says, notice the next verse, but you continue in the things you've learned. Years ago, I, I began to love that word, but. Okay, this will be happening, but here's what you do. You continue in the things that you've heard and been assured of knowing who you learned them from. So what are you assured of? For instance, where your finances are concerned, you're assured that the blessing's governing you. Amen. Where your body's concerned, you're assured that the stripes of Jesus have healed you. Right? Well, Paul says there are things that are going to be going on, but you stay in the things that you've learned. Being distracted is the opposite of continuing. All right? Continuing means to remain, to stay, to be present. And what the enemy will do is he will try to distract you. The enemy is more concerned about your accuracy than he is anything else. Amen. If, if I'm going to be led, I've got to be accurate. Accuracy. And so the enemy doesn't want you to be accurate, and the only way he can cause you to be inaccurate is to distract you. I taught Wednesday night on the main thing. Keeping the main thing the main thing. Now, 
There are things I can't control in the natural. But what I can control is where I choose to remain. What I can control is what I choose to continue in. Amen. What we have to be focused on is what God said. When, when Jesus, you remember in the book of Luke, the Bible says that Mary and Joseph left Jerusalem and they were on the road home and they noticed that Jesus wasn't with them. So they turned around and went back to find out where he was. I remember Anthony one time was preaching. He said, how you lose Jesus? <laughs> Where's the son of God? I don't know. I, I lost him. But they went back and it says they found him in the temple and that the questions he was asking the leaders was baffling them. And Mary said, how is it? Said, your father and I were looking for you. We were concerned. And Jesus said, how is it that you did not know that I would be in my father's house occupied with his business? Occupied with his business. The things of God... What God has said, that's the business that we're to be occupied with. I can't, I can't, there's things I can't change. But I can stay occupied with what he said. Right? Somebody asked me, what do you think about everything that's going on? And I just looked at him. I'm not trying to be flippant or mean. But I said, doesn't change what I got to do. Doesn't change the call of God on my life. Doesn't change the purpose of the church, the reason for the church, the reason for this ministry. We're going to keep building faith and framing worlds by the word of God. It doesn't change anything. Amen. So I want you to see, Paul says no matter what's going on, you stay with, you continue in the things that you've learned. Is that right? Now notice something. Oh, glory to God. Look at Isaiah 8 and 12. Because we got to look at some things. Because we're not going to take the time to go there, but uh, all the way through Matthew 24, uh, uh, Mark 13, Luke 21, Jesus talks about the things that are going to come on the world. And then he makes the statement to the, to the believer uh, uh, well, actually, he's talking to the, 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 the Jews in those verses. <coughs> Excuse me. But he makes the statement. He says, see to it that you're not troubled. Now, the question then that is begged to be asked is how? Because it's one thing just to tell people, don't be afraid. Don't be troubled. How? There's got to be an antidote to fear. If you're telling me not to, there's got to be a way not to. Is that right? Isaiah 8 and 12. In the King James Version, it reads this way. Say not a confederacy to all them whom this people shall say a confederacy. Notice, neither fear their fear or be afraid. Isaiah 8, 12, in the, the Passion Translation says, Don't believe their every conspiracy rumor. And don't fear what they fear. Don't be moved or terrified. I like the Amplified Bible because it says, Don't call conspiracy or hard or holy all that this people will call conspiracy or hard or holy. Neither be in fear of what they fear, nor make others afraid or in dread. 
So notice what he says. He says, first of all, he says, don't believe their every conspiracy rumor. Is that what he said? Don't believe it. He said, don't call hard what they call hard. Don't be in fear of what they fear. And don't make others afraid or in dread. What does that mean? Fear begats fear. Fear produces fear. If you're afraid, you'll make others afraid. And the problem when you're, when you're getting information from someone who's afraid is the fear they fear comes built in. Billy Graham always said this about the Word. He would say, this is the Word of God, and it comes with its own power. You don't have to make the Word of God powerful. It's already powerful. It came supplied. Words that you hear that are full of fear, they come with fear. You don't have to be afraid of them. The words will make you afraid. I can show you this from the Scripture. But he said, don't do it. Is that right? And, and he said, don't make others afraid. Don't you be afraid. Don't fear what they fear. Well, who are the they and, and, and what are we talking about? Whatever the world's fearing, you don't fear it. Why? He said not to. So there's the problem, fear. Now notice something. In the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 20. Deuteronomy. Chapter 20, the word Deuteronomy means second law. It's the repeating of what they had said. Depending on what type of Bible you have, there may be a heading above the chapter 20 that says the laws of war. The laws of war. So he's going through and giving them the laws of war, how they are to set things up, how they're to conduct themselves. And here in Deuteronomy chapter 20 and verse 8, it says, the officers shall further speak unto the people, and they shall say, what man is there that's fearful and faint-hearted? Let him return unto his house, lest his brother's heart faint as well as his heart. The word faint is melt. So it's saying, tell the people, if you're afraid, go home. Why? So you don't make other people afraid. Right? Say, say it out loud. If a person's afraid, they can make someone else afraid. Remember when, when Gideon had, what, 32,000 men? And the first thing God said was tell the people, if anybody's afraid, go home. Now that was partly because he didn't want Israel to say, we did this on our own. But what good is an afraid, a scared person in a fight? They'll make other people afraid. And so in the laws of war, he said, speak to the people and say, if you're faint-hearted or afraid, go home. So you don't make other people's heart melt. Fear produces fear. What you hear that's fearful is going to beget fear in your life. 
Because every word that you hear is a seed. Every word that you hear is, is, is alive. And if you don't watch it and you don't take care of what you're hearing, you'll produce something. Amen. So he said if you're fearful or faint, let him go. So he don't make other people afraid. Look at Numbers chapter 13. This is what you got to continue in. And uh, this, of course, is when Moses sent the 12 spies to spy out the land. And notice something. It says in verse 27 that they came back and they told him and said, We came into the land that you sent us, and surely it flows with milk and honey, and this is the fruit of it. Carrying the fruit of it. Carrying the grapes and the pomegranates. Yep, it's just what you said. It's just what God said. Uh, Nevertheless, Now, I want you to see something. There are 12 spies sent. Most indicators are there was anywhere between two and a half to three million people here. Now, get that in your mind. That's more people than reside in Kansas City. Two and a half to three million. He sent 12 into the promised land. They said, it's what you said it was, and here's the fruit of it, but the people are strong that dwell in the land, all right? And the cities are walled and very great, and moreover, we saw the children of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. The Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites dwell in the mountains. The Canaanites dwell by the sea and by the coast of Jordan. Mm. The people are strong, walled cities. We saw the giants there. This group dwells over here, and this group, group, group dwells over here. Notice now, verse 30. And Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and possess it. We're well able to overcome it. But the men that went up said, we're not able to go up against the people because they're stronger than us. Wait a minute. Fear begets fear. Fear gives birth to fear. We're not able. We can't do this. And they brought up an evil report of the land which they had searched under the children of Israel saying, the land, uh, notice who they brought it up to, the children of Israel. The three million people that are there. They brought up an evil report saying the land that we've gone to search is a land that eats up the inhabitants. Now theologians say the reason they said that was because they saw a lot of funerals going on. 
what was happening. God was doing what he said he would do. He said, I'll drive the inhabitants of the land out from before you. I'll smite them. I'll destroy them. And all you got to do is come in and live there. Is that what God said? Yes. And was God doing what he said? Yes. What can stop that? Their fear. Brought up an evil report of the land. And all the people that we saw in it are men of great stature. And there we saw the giants, the sons of Anak, which come of the giants. And we were in our own sight as grasshoppers. And so were we in their sight. And all the congregation, all the congregation, all the people lifted up their voice and cried. And the people wept that night. Because of the report of ten men. Ten were afraid. And they infected three million. So much so that notice. And all the children of Israel murmured against Moses and Aaron. And the whole congregation said unto them. Would God we died in the land of Egypt. Or would God we had died in this wilderness. What can make a person make that kind of statement? Fear. Fear. They'll hear. People will hear. There's, there, there's nothing anybody can do. And, and this is that. And, and it's this bad. And this is horrible. And then they'll come away saying the same thing. Well, there's nothing we can do. Oh, my God. You know, there's just no hope. Fear begats fear. Verse 4. They said to one another, let's make a captain and let's return to Egypt. What? Go back? Why? Fear. Verse 6. And Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, which were of them that searched the land, rent their clothes. And they spake unto all the company of the children of Israel, saying, the land which we pass through to search it is an exceeding good land. Now notice this. If the Lord delight in us, then He'll bring us into this land and give it to us, a land that flows with milk and honey. Only rebel not against the Lord, neither, here it is, fear the people. Why? Of that land. They're bred for us. They're bread for us. Their defense is departed from them. Do, do you see this? Their defense is departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. Is that what he said? He said, that, What does that mean? They're bread for us. They're on a tray, they've been put on a platter. God has served them up to us. All we got to do is go take it. If the Lord delights in us, well, the Bible says God delights in you. Amen. It says you've been accepted in the beloved. He said about Jesus, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Well, he's not, you're not more, he's not more beloved than you are. So you are God's beloved child and in, in you he is well pleased. Amen. Now, there are people that will sit there and say, well, you know, I don't deal with fear anyway. Well, it's not about you, slick. 
It's about what you're doing with other people. It's, what, it's the attitude that we have to project as believers that God has served this up to us on a platter. Our enemy is bread for us. They have no defense against us. None. See, now wait a minute. See, that takes the fear away. What you believe and why you believe it speaks to whether or not there is an element of fear there. Amen. When you tell somebody, I can't get sick, and they just look at you. Well, everybody can get sick. No, everybody can't. Everybody doesn't have to get sick. Everybody doesn't have to be broke. Everybody, right? He said their defense is departed from them. Now, notice what God says here. He says some things that are so important to me. Verse 11. Well, verse 12 says, All the congregation bade stone them with stones. Isn't that interesting how you get people in a fear mindset and they turn into a mob mentality? Let's just kill them. They're not saying what we want to hear, so let's just kill them. The people that are agreeing with God, right? And the Lord said to Moses, how long will this people provoke me? How long will it be ere they believe me for all the signs that I've shown among them? Hmm. Notice verse 22. Well, verse 21. As truly as I live, all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. Because all those men which have seen my glory and my miracles that I did in Egypt and in the wilderness and have tempted me now these ten times... And have not hearkened to my voice. Surely they will not see the land I swear unto their fathers. Neither shall any of them that provoked me see it. What stopped them? Hebrews 3 says unbelief. What goes hand in hand with unbelief? Fear. And, 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 and the Lord told Moses, they're not going to see the land. But notice now, but my servant Caleb, because he had another spirit with him and followed me fully, him will I bring into the land whereunto he went, and his seed shall possess it. His seed shall possess it. He never lost that that faith. He had to turn around and leave from the border of the promised land and roam around with them unbelieving Israelites for 40 years. Joshua and Caleb had to walk through the wilderness for 40 years until they all died. And then they came back to the promised land. And do you remember what happened when Joshua sent the two spies into Jericho and they met with Rahab the harlot? And she made this statement. She said, the moment that we heard that you all had crossed the Jordan River, our hearts melted. Well, what did God say to the people of Israel? He said, I'll send my fear before you. The people will be afraid of you. Amen. 
And the spies came back. Remember what they told Joshua? Don't worry. Don't worry. Their, 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 their spirits departed from them. And then the next chapter says, when all the kings on the other side of the, of the Jordan heard that God had dried up the Jordan River, their spirits melted. Their, feet, their, their faith left them. Their strength left them. That's what God wanted to do in the very beginning for that unbelieving group that died in the wilderness. Faith will take the courage of your enemy every time. Hallelujah. Because the Bible says in Hebrews 11 that they did this by faith. By faith they can pass the walls of Jericho. By faith they did what they did. Amen. So don't fear what they fear. Now notice, here's what I want you to get. So 10 had a bad report and it killed millions. Amen. The fear that people fear, if they infect you with it, you get the same results they get. You understand? Now, what's the antidote here? People will say, well, you know, uh, I got to believe God. Well, I mean, that's a start, but what's the antidote? What do you have to believe about God? What do you have to believe concerning Him? What was the major problem that we see in Numbers chapter 13? They did not believe God cared enough about them to do what He said. When a person says, I don't know if I can make it, it's not just a lack of faith, it's a lack of faith in something. It's a lack of faith in God's ability to keep you. Hallelujah. I think I'm preaching better than you're letting on. Look at Romans 5.5. 5. Hallelujah. Let's start in verse 3. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also. Tribulations is pressure. Tribulations is trouble. Circumstances. We glory in them, not because of them, in them. Knowing what? That tribulation, pressure, trouble works patience. Is that what it says? And patience, experience. You'll never have an experience if you don't have patience. And you'll never get through the trouble if you don't have patience. And experience works what? Hope. Hope is a picture. Experience produces a picture. Meaning this. That when you're going through something one time and you come out of it, you get experience born of patience which produces hope. Meaning the next time you go through something, now you've got an experience and you know you're going to come out of it. Right? Remember, they tempted me these ten times. Every time they, 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 they... Question God. Psalm 78 says they turned back and limited God. 
in those ten times, it was ten occasions that they asked, can God provide, can God furnish, can God do it, and ten times God did it. And they didn't learn anything. They always let fear override what God had said that they could do. And hope maketh not ashamed. Oh my Lord. You will never be ashamed believing God. Why? Because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. The Wish Bible says that the, whole, that, that, that the Holy Ghost is given to us by God and it constantly floods our hearts. So the context there is that I have access to this love of God whenever I want it. At all times I have access to the love of God. Amen. People will say the opposite of fear is faith. No, the opposite of fear is love. Faith works by love. The opposite of fear is love. There is no fear in love. Amen. So notice he says, the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given to us. Galatians 5. There's so much here. Because this is the antidote. When uh, my pastor and his wife were in an accident, that tire truck hit them and, and destroyed their car and broke her back in three places. And, and, and they were saying, well, you got to have this operation. If you move, you could be paralyzed and these different things. And she made the statement. She said, nope. She said, I love, I love God and God loves me too much to let me be paralyzed. People say, what great faith? Great faith in what? How much God loved her. When you see a person that cares a whole lot about what people think, it's evident they're not securing God's love for them. Got quiet in here. Because remember what the scripture says? It says when you're focused on the love of God, your mindset is, what can man do to me? It's God that justified me. It's Christ that died for me. And he said, what do you say to these things? If God be for me, who can be against me? If God loves me, what does it matter what somebody else says? If God loves me, then what does it matter what the world says? Amen. Galatians 5 and 6. In Jesus Christ... Neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision, but faith which worketh by love. The Woos Bible says faith coming to effective expression through love. So notice, if I'm not solidly grounded in the love that God has for me, my faith won't reach its full expression. Because faith, my faith, your faith, our faith works by love. It's energized by love. The key there is the preposition by. That's, how, that's the channel. That's how, the, that's how faith functions, by love. 
What love? The love God has for me. How much God loves me. You've got to spend ample time daily focused on how much God loves you. Because that's what drives fear out. Amen. I'm standing. I'm standing. Well, do you believe God loves you? Well, I'm pretty sure. Then you're not standing. Because love is a weapon. I, 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 look, at, look at the children in here, the little, the, the little children. They have a strong confidence that mom and dad love them. Right? How do they know they're going to have whatever? Clothes, shoes, food, toys. How do they know they're going to have Mom and dad love me. Right? How, how, how do they know when they're literally walking over the tree? Well, there's one thing missing. There's going to be presents here and presents there and presents here and presents up here. And she said, and they're all going to be for me. Well, how does she know that? How does she figure that? She hadn't worked a job a day in her life. She doesn't know the difference between a quarter and a hundred dollar bill. It's all the same to her. Oh, thanks. Give her a hundred dollar bill. Hey, hey, Pooh will be eating it before you know it. Oh, mother. Right? She don't know the difference. She'll put it in his hair. I love her. Right? I love her. She doesn't go to bed at night wondering how the lights are going to be paid. I love her. Say it out loud. God loves me. me. Say it like you mean it. God loves me. Right? And he says that your faith functions by love. Notice he uses this illustration of circumcision or uncircumcision. In other words, everything that people feel like is important or people feel like will make you close to God or what people feel like will make you holy or make you uh, uh, spiritual, he says none of that means anything. It's faith. In the love of God. Hallelujah. Look at 1 John 4. Faith in the love of God. Say it out loud one more time. God loves me. me. Tell your neighbor, say, I really believe God loves me. Amen. 1 John 4. Mm -mm -mm. Verse. Well, let's start here. There's so much good here. But for the sake of time, let's start in verse 16. And we have known and believed. Now, wait a minute. He's telling us something we've known, but not only have we known it, we believe it. The love that God has to us. There are people that tell you they know God loves them, but they don't believe it. How do you know they don't believe it? The way they react to circumstances. The way they react to people. 
the way they react to challenges. Right? Bear with me. Let's, you, you go back to the Gospels. Get in the boat, go to the other side. Right? Storm comes. It's a challenge. Remember, water in the boat. Not supposed to be water in the boat. <laughs> I'm sure they were bailing and doing everything they knew to do. Where's Jesus? Where? You reckon it's just because he wore out, dog tired? That's part of it. But how can you sleep in that environment? Because you're confident in the love God has for you. Where were the disciples? They went and woke him up. What'd they say? Master, don't you care? Where was their confidence level in God's love? Non-existent. Because they thought he didn't care. That we perish? Jesus stood up, and what did he do? He rebuked the wind, told the, the sea to go back to its reason for existence. Then what did he do? Hey, guys, I'm glad you woke me up. I mean, that we almost, we almost lost it. Right? Peter, I'm glad you got a big mouth, because... Man, I mean, that would have been bad because I can't swim. No, he turned around to him and said, where's your faith? How does faith work? Now, follow me here. So if they were void of faith and faith works by love, what were they first void of? The belief that God loved them. You can't exercise your faith if you don't believe God loves you. You can't defeat fear if you don't believe God loves you. Amen. Hallelujah. If your mindset, if you look at somebody and somebody kind of looks at you funny, you know, some people just look funny. No, I mean, really, they look funny. You know some people like that. Don't look at anybody right now. But if, if that bothers you and, you and you start thinking, well, why'd they look at me that way? You're not dependent on the love of God. Because the love of God, 1 Corinthians 13, says the love of God thinks the best of every person. So why would you say somebody doesn't like you? Or somebody has it in for you or somebody treats you different or somebody, somebody's rude to you. There are rude people out there, but how does love respond? The Bible says love takes no account to a suffered wrong. Is that what it says? Well, Pastor, you know, I thought you were talking about fear. I am. I'm talking about the antidote. The antidote to fear is love. I knew a lady one time. I don't know how many times she had been married and divorced enough. And I'm not talking about marriage and divorce. I've been divorced. Others of us in here have been divorced. And we're not proud of it, but it's just the fact of the matter. But you know what always caused her a problem? She kept expecting her present husband to be like her last husband. She couldn't love the man correctly because she was in such fear that he was going to treat her like the last one did. You understand that? 
You can't be a proper fill-in-the-blank, a proper anything, if you don't believe in love and the love that person has for you. Hallelujah. Right? When Pastor Michelle and I got married, nobody came from a more abusive background than her. Nobody. I don't know anybody that came from a more abusive background than her. Man took a razor and cut her face, beat her, swelled her eyes shut. Horrible life. Just horrible. Put her out on the streets, prostitute. Man, and we got married. Well, I'm born again, right? Hallelujah. It makes me cringe when I hear people say, you know, Christians. Well, I'll tell you what, I could have hit that guy. You're a Christian. That's not how we think. Boy, it got quiet. It's not how we think. We don't think about smacking somebody. Right? Okay, let me try that one more time. Just rewind. We don't think about slapping somebody. Because we're born again. What's governing us? Love. That's why Jesus said, if somebody smites you on one cheek, turn the other cheek. He's not saying go out and say, beat me up. I mean, you can duck. (laughs) Bob and weave, do something, right? He's not saying don't protect yourself. He's saying don't retaliate. And so the main thing she had learned was how much I loved her. Right? If we have a discussion, I'm not going to hit you. I can give my opinion and not be physical. So the problem that that lady had was she would not believe the love. Well, we just used two illustrations. Peter and the other disciples said, don't you care that we perish? Well, that's evident, an evident token. You don't believe the love God has for you. If people can move you Your faith is not solidly grounded in God's love. Amen. Yeah, but it just seems like to me they don't don't think much of me. Where's that coming from? Does love say that? Is that thinking the best of that person? Yeah, but you don't know how they talk to me. Wait a minute. Did they talk to you that way? Or is your insecure perception bringing it to you that way? Hallelujah. Let's move right along. We have known and believed the love that God has to us. Say it out loud. I believe that God loves me. Notice, God is love. And he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God and God in him. Herein is our love made perfect. Or herein is our love with us. Or this is why it's with us. That we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as he is in this world, so are we. I am so confident in how much God loves me that on the day of judgment, when I stand before the the throne of Christ, I will stand in boldness. Because I'm confident of how much He loves me. Not arrogance, boldness. Why? Because of how much He loves me. 
Notice, there is no fear in love. Now, just write it down. There's no fear in love. There is no fear in love. Fear does not exist in love. Right? Well, I know I'm right because that's what Scripture says. There is no fear in love. See, this is the antidote. He said, don't fear what they fear. How do I not fear what they fear? Know how much God loves me. How, do, how can I tell you you won't fail? Because I believe how much God loves you. There is no fear in love. And then he uses this word, because. Why is there no fear in love? Because love, fear has torment. Fear produces torment. Just on a, on, a, on a very simple example, very simple illustration, what we've been talking about. If you sit around all the time wondering why people said what they said or wondering if somebody, you're tormented. Yeah, but that's not any big thing. Yeah, but it's, it's on your mind all the time. Why? Not perfected in love. Why is it that there are people that go to bed every night and go to sleep and wake up in the morning refreshed and then there are people that go to bed in fear and don't sleep and toss and turn and wake up the next morning wore out because one went to bed in fear and one went to bed in love. Amen. When you lay your head on your pillow tonight, you just tell the Lord, I, I put all my trust in you. I cast all of my care on you, ever what it is. Lord, I don't, I, I don't know why I feel this way about that person, but, but Father, I just cast the care of that on you. I put all my trust in you. You said in your word, some trust in chariots and some trust in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. Amen. Am I helping you tonight? Because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love or not mature in love. In other words, not exercising love. I want to infect people with love, not fear. Amen. Well, how do I answer that? Well, the thought will come, well, why'd they look at me that way? You need to say out loud, they didn't mean nothing by that. Well, what if they did? Well, that's on them. Your faith needs to work by love. Is that right? That's why Jesus said, you know, uh, about your enemies, smack them, right? No, he said, love your enemies. Do good to those that despitefully use and persecute you. Why? Because he said, your Father in heaven that sees in private will reward you openly. Amen. When I make statements like, I can't fail, I believe that. Why do I believe that? I know how much God loves me. When you finally come to understand how little you have to do with the success of your life. I mean, put all of your wisdom together, all of your wisdom together. 
Put all of your brains together and you might have enough to blow your nose. Amen. My father used to say if their brains was, was uh, gunpowder, <laughs> they, they wouldn't have enough to set off a spark. But now, 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 I'm not saying to think less of yourself, but I'm saying put every bit of ability and knowledge and wisdom and skill that you have, put it all together, and it's not enough to do what God's done for you. You have the job you have because God loves you. You have the family you have because God loves you. You have the spouse you have because God loves you. Amen. And you got, you got to believe that love. Hallelujah. Do you see that? And when fear tries to come, well, they're saying there's going to be layoffs. God loves me too much to let me be laid off. Well, what if I get laid off anyway? God loves me too much to let me suffer. Because that's where your faith is going to work. Amen. I, I, I was dealing with somebody one time, and they were dealing with some physical issues, and I could see there was this element there. They didn't know how much God loved them. You can confess, you can declare, you can stand in faith, but if you don't know how much God loves you, it's not working. All the principles that you're trying to operate, operate through love. Why are you confessing the word? Because you're building faith in your heart. Faith in what? That God loves you enough to do that. Does that, does that make sense? When you read Philippians 4.19, My God shall supply all of your need. What needs to come into your mind and spirit is God loves me so much He's going to supply all my need. That's not just a flippant statement. Because of who I am, God will supply my need. No, Paul said I am what I am by the grace of God. Right? So I'm saved because God loved me. I'm filled with the Holy Ghost because God loved me. The person that witnessed to you and you gave your life to Christ, they witnessed to you because God loves you. Isn't that what the Bible says? Jesus was dealing with Nicodemus. And Nicodemus said, we know you're a teacher come from God. No man can do these works unless God's with him. And Jesus said, look, you have to be born again. You know the story. And Jesus said, let me tell you something. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believeth in him will not perish. Why is it so easy to get saved? Because God loves you that much. He didn't make it hard. How do I know your children are going to be saved? Because God loves you. How do I know your children are going to be well and whole? Because God loves you. Amen. God does not want me to go through the angst and the pain and the sorrow that worldly people go through because he loves me. Am I helping you? Look over at Psalm 91. There's so much here. And 
if you're not cautious sometimes, we can miss the emphasis. Because we, 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 we read Psalm 91 and, and we, we declare it over us for protection and we should. But there are three individuals that are speaking in Psalm 91. Uh, the first person, the, the writer, David, or you. The father, or I should say the, the first person, Jesus, and the father. And he begins to say something here. Mm. In verse 14, because he has set his love upon me. Now, this is important. Because he knows how much I love him. Now, notice the qualifier. He knows how much I love him. He has set his love upon me. Therefore, because of that, I will deliver him. Because he knows how much I love him. I will, I will set him on high. That's so powerful to me. God's saying, because you know how much I love you, I'll put you on a shelf. I'll put you up on high out of reach. It carries the idea of you putting something precious up high so little hands can't get a hold of it and break it. God says, you're so precious to me, I'm going to put you up on a shelf out of reach of the enemy. Why? Because you know how much I love you. Say it out loud. I know how much God loves me. And we could preface these with all of these. I will set him on high because he's known my name. People say, well, what's his name? What did John say his name was? Love. God is love. Right? Because of that, he'll call on me and I will answer him. When you know how much God loves you, you know He's going to answer you. And so you don't have any problem calling on Him. People that try to fix things themselves don't know how much God loves them. Yeah, but I believe we have a responsibility. You sure do. You have the responsibility to know how much God loves you. Everything's easier when you know how much God loves you. I will deliver, I will be with him in trouble. So in trouble, where's God? With you. And he's not just hanging out. Not just along for the ride. David said in Psalm 23 that when I'm walking through the valley of the shadow of death, I will not fear because you are with me. And you're doing something. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. In the valley of the shadow of death, because you love me, you prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. Because I love you. Amen. Whew. Notice, I will deliver him. Why? He loves me. When Peter was asleep, in the prison, people will say, oh, look how, how much faith he had. Look how much he knew God loved him. That's what it was. Because at the end of the book of John, the last chapter of the book of John, 
Jesus told Peter, he said, look, if he lives till I come, that's none of your business, none of your concern. You take up the cross and follow me. He said, because the day's coming, Peter, when you're not going to be able to clothe yourself and you're going to be so old you can't take care of yourself. He said, and then somebody else will lead you around. And then you'll die. Then you'll give your life. When you're an old man. Now he's in prison asleep. They're going to cut his head off in the morning. He's not sitting up going, I like my head. It's always been here. He's sleeping. And he's sleeping so soundly, the Bible says the angel had to kick him. Now, think about that. It says that he's asleep and that when the angel came in the prison cell, it lit it up. And he didn't wake up. Can't you see the angel? (sighs) Get up. Right? And Peter got up and walked out of the prison. How do you sleep? Knowing just a few days before, one of your buddies was killed. Herod didn't play him. It pleased the Jews. So he's going to kill me tomorrow morning. And he's asleep between two guards, chained. He was securing God's love for him. This is what he said, and he loves me too much to not do what he said. I will deliver him and honor him. Amen. When God told Abraham, I'll bless you and I'll make your name great. And you'll be a blessing. Why does God honor you? Because he loves you. What have you done that's worthy of God honoring you? Nothing. Why does God honor you? Because he loves you. How many of you in here keep a list about your kids and everything bad they've done and everything good they've done and at Christmas time you add the good and the bad and decide what to give them based on that list? Michelle, you do that? No, of course not. (laughs) Come on now. I love that. Hey, you know what you know, and that's what you know. (laughs) Right? No, you don't do that. Because why do you buy a gift? Because you love people. Is that right? That's a simple illustration. That's the antidote to fear. That's the antidote to fear. You know how to raise kids that are not performance-based? Make them confident in your love for them. Make them confident in God's love for them. I don't love you because you brought home an A-plus or a straight-A report card. I love you because you did your best. Right? Did you do your best? If that's your best, I I mean, I love you regardless. I'll love you if that's not your best. But I love you enough to tell you that you need to do your best. Right? And you you remove all those performance-based issues. There are people that are adults that are still running around with performance-based issues 
I'm still trying to perform. I'm still trying to do everything everybody wants me to do. And I'm miserable because I'm trying to be this for this person and this for that person and this for the other person. I'm not confident in God's love for me, so I'm all about performance. And if somebody, if somebody talks about my performance or somebody says something that, that's a bit demeaning to me, it destroys me and puts me in a funk for three days because I don't know how much God loves me. Hallelujah. When I figured out how much God loves me, I then understood why Paul could say, it's a very little thing to me what you think. That's what he said. He said, it means very little to me what you think. Right? He, he wasn't being flippant. He wasn't being condescending. He was just saying, you're saying this, but I know what God said about me. <laughs> right? Amen. Do, do you understand that? Your children know who they are. If you're doing your job right, they know who they are. They know what belongs to them. They don't care what anybody else thinks. Amen. Liliana does not care what anybody thinks. That's how she does. Somebody will do something, she'll be like, it's my daddy. Amen. She doesn't knock on my office door. At the way, I'm a steal. Let me come in. Right? She doesn't even know what that means, but she knows I love her. Right? Why does the Bible say that Jeremy can come boldly when he has a need? He comes how? Whimpering and whining. Crawling. Begging. Worming around. Is that right? No? Why? You know how much God loves you. And I'll go in boldly. See, that boldness is born of love. And so when I, when I understood how much God loved me, then I could understand why Paul could say, it means very little to me what you think. Isn't that great? Wouldn't it be great to be that free? Not in an arrogant, condescending way. I don't care what you think. No. I mean, I love you. I, I want you to think good of me. But you know what? If you don't, don't know what to say. Right? Like the one man said, he said he went back to his high school reunion. You know, he was married, and, and, uh, and, and he went back. And, you know, when you go back to your high school reunion, uh, uh, you realize how ugly people really were uh, when you were in school. And he says, he said, he said, he said you know, the, the, the girl that used to be all that, that, you know, at the high school reunion, she was like, she still didn't want to, you know, she didn't want to pay attention to him or, or, or things like that. And he said, he went up to her and he said, look, he said, all I know about and care about is my wife will dance with me. Right? My father used to say this. He said, my wife told me I'm the best looking man in the world for so long, I believe it. Amen. Amen. You know, I, I've looked at people before married, both of them. Both of them ugly as a mud fence. Just ugly as they can be. Right? Nobody in here, but you understand what I mean. 
They got to be in love. It's, it's love. It's what it is. Amen. Well, you're sitting with your spouse tonight. You don't care what anybody else thinks. Well, I don't like your hair. I don't care. I'm not married to you. Amen. <laughs> the very little thing what you think. Right? I don't like the way she looks. It's none of your business. You don't have to go home with her. I do. I mean, I don't have to. I get to. Isn't that great? But here's the point. That's love. I mean, I'm not being, you know, demeaning to anybody. But you'll see people. And they, they, boy, they're in love. And, and, and it doesn't matter. And, that, and, that, and, and, that's why, and that's why where love is concerned, am I taking too long? That's why where love is concerned, race doesn't enter in. Uh, age doesn't enter in. Because love supersedes all that. If I love you, I don't see your race, your color, your age, your failures, your mistakes, because I love you. Be, conf- be that confident in God. God loves me. Amen. It's like the guy came up one time, little boys were standing there, and the little boy was there with his girlfriend, and the other little boy came up and said, boy, your girlfriend's ugly. He said, I know it. I like ugly girls. <laughs> I don't care what you say. Amen. And, and that can go vice versa too, you know. I mean, just look around. There's some women in here like ugly men. It's just, it's just how it is. Amen. My wife included, so praise God. I tell her all the time, I don't know how in the world I rated that, but I'm glad I did. Praise God. Amen. Every man can say. Amen. Now, I'm almost done. But that, that's what I want you to see. When you become confident in how much God loves you, then all those other things go out the door. That's the antidote to fear. Concern about what people think is rooted in fear. Well, they're, 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 they're not going to think much of me. They're going to have something against me. That's fear. That's fear. But when you're confident in God's love for you, God has already justified you, glorified you, right? Called you, said what he said about you. That settles the issue. Amen. And then he finally said, with long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. Why? Because he knows how much I love him. David knew so much how much God loved him. When Saul was chasing him, when Saul was trying to catch him and kill him, David said in the midst of that, he said, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to lay me down and I'm going to sleep and I will awake because the Lord will sustain me. Who will sustain him? The Lord. Everything that, that people are fearful of, in a few days it's going to change. In six months it'll, be, it'll change. 
Fear morphs. You know, there are people that are so afraid that they're not able to see the good that's going on. Don't be that person. There's too much good going on to fear the evil. Don't be afraid of what they're afraid of. And don't make others afraid. Spread the love. Get a little hope. I'm an OG hope dealer. Amen. Been dealing hope years. Got a lot of people hooked. Saw some people overdose. Amen. And they're enjoying a life today they never thought they could live. Amen. Amen. Say it out loud. I believe that God loves me. I believe God loves me a lot. I believe that God loves me so much that He'll take care of me. He'll bless me. He'll heal me. He'll preserve me. I believe God loves me. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. In God good? Amen. God's good to us. Praise the Lord. I believe God. Well, let's stand up tonight, shall we? Did you receive anything from the Word? God loves me. We know how much Michelle's daughters believe they love them, too. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Isn't that great? That is so good. God is so good to us. Amen, 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 amen. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. So, Father, we thank you tonight. We're so grateful for all you've done for us. You've kept us. You've provided for us. Lord, you've preserved us. Lord, we thank you. We thank you, Father. There, there have been those in our midst that have dealt with symptoms. There are those that are dealing with symptoms in their body. Lord, not just what is going on in the world right now. There are people that are dealing with flu and, and dealing with things. We just speak healing over them in the name of Jesus. We speak the healing of God over their bodies in the name of Jesus because you love them, because you love them. And Father, we ask you in the name of Jesus that this love would grow and grow and grow and grow in our hearts and we would see the full manifestation of it in the name of Jesus. Lord, we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God's good to us. If you will uh, spend the next few days, the, the, a word of the Lord came to me and I'm just going to share it and, and, and I won't say a whole lot. I know uh, the hour is late. But uh, a person I have very great respect for, honor for, they uh, uh, texted me today, and they said the Lord had been dealing with them about something for me for 10 days, and they said it was this, that the Lord said, if I would spend the next 40 days giving him private praise, that the next 90 days would be a public manifestation in my life. The key to everything that we're going through right now is your praise and thanksgiving. If you'll take time every day and be thankful and praise God and worship God and be thankful and grateful, you'll see a manifestation in your life. God keeps telling me, I got a surprise. I don't know what it is, but he's got one. Amen? Everything that people are dealing with in a few months, six months, six weeks, whatever it is, a lot of it's going to be over. But if I'm in fear, that fear is going to hang on and it'll just transfer. 
It'll transfer to something else. You got to kill it. You got to kill fear. You got to kill it. How do you do it? Walk in the love of God. Amen. Hallelujah. Come on. Say.